Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. We're we're really good. We're really good. We're gonna be really good. Um, just a lot of small things that we just gotta continue to hold ourselves accountable to. Um, just executing every little detail. I mean, everything's not gonna be perfect every single play. We know that, but um, we just gotta hone in on the small things. Um, we we love the way we competed. We love the way we responded. Um, and we just gotta play like that for a full 60 minutes. And in the NFL, maybe even more than 60 minutes, we gotta play like that. So, um, but we we learned a lot. Uh, but we're gonna, we're moving forward. Tight end Evan Ingram with the biggest thing that he noticed from the offensive film this week against the Commanders, saying this offense is going to take a big step in the right direction going into week two. Welcome into Jaguars Drive Time on a Thursday morning. Ashlyn, Brian, and John here with you getting ready for our first home game of the season this Sunday against the Colts. And what has dominated the topic this week is that streak that we keep talking about. My water bottle is going to fall. Go. I wasn't going to comment on the water bottle. I was going to comment on the suits. <laughs> it's apparently it's frazzled bold, over here. That's a bold step it's in a fashionable direction. Jaguars drive time. It is. When I talk I with my hands, <laughs> I can't have things us. in the way because then I just, Yes. you know what I mean? I hear you. Yeah. Uh, so the question is the streak, which is seven now. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it a bit yesterday, and there's been some moments in there. You know, the Jags put up 51-year. 50-burger. Uh, yeah. They, they <laughs> shut him out one year when Andrew Luck was still around. Um, you know, last year made no sense to anybody who follows the game and understands, you know, teams that are playing for something in the final week of the year against a team that has nothing on the line mm-hmm. and doesn't even have its head coach anymore. I mean, it, it, over time, it, it's defied logic. Yeah, well, especially it, last year. It, yeah, last year was an outlier, except you, remember the Jaguars sort of did the same thing to the Titans uh, in uh, Marone's first yeah, game. 2016. So yeah. it, it's a strange thing in December when it happens. Uh, the, the notable thing about last year's game, of course, we talked about it all week, um, usually franchises don't quite acknowledge the enormity of one loss like that. And the Colts, until I guess uh, training camp started, very clearly made it a topic of, we were embarrassed by this. Don't lose to the Jags, Brian. They wore it like an albatross around their neck. Yeah, so um, I don't think that you can – it's like Stephen Holder said on our air uh, yesterday, you really can't, if you're the Colts with a straight face, sit up there this week in your open locker room sessions and say, well, it doesn't mean anything to us. It was just another game. Well, it's it was just on another the game. Why did it shake up your franchise? Yeah. So it's going to be a factor – I think the reality is I think either the Jaguars win or the Colts win big. I think if the Colts come out just fired up and take control of it, then that momentum can be a thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think that'll happen. I think it'll be close. It's worth noting one thing that people might not recall that made that win even more dramatic was they got blown out the week before in New England, 50-10. to I mean, they they were wounded, limping to the, the end of the season. You know, again with an interim head coach and a lot of uncertainty about what was going to happen. And they came out and put together a performance that made them look like the team that had something to play for, that was looking at a wild card berth. So it, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and I'm excited to see Sunday to mm-hmm. see how it all 
comes together. Yeah, I was on a Colts podcast yesterday, and they said, they asked me, was that Trevor Lawrence's most complete game that you have seen? Because they were said they are still talking about Trevor Lawrence's performance against them last season. So even the media is still talking about last year's game like it happened two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think it's close. I think it was far and away Trevor's best game. Mm-hmm. I think he's still got to come close to matching that each week for a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, the consistency. About. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into big things. Big thing one is the gloves are off. On Monday and Wednesday, Doug Peterson challenged his team to make plays and in particular asked the quarterback to take a step in the right direction this week. No, I, I think I think he trusts he trusts the things around him. I, I think you know, listen, it's we've talked about this before. Everything's semi new, you know. Uh, and and he's still learning. And this is the first time in a while that you know, and, and each week kind of becomes a new week in the sense of. He's working with these guys day in and day out, right? Now we're down to the 53, we're down to the 48, down to the 11 on offense or so, and or 21, 22 on offense. And these are now the guys that we're working with, right? So we just got to make sure that we're all on the same page, keep working with uh, you know the skill guys, the backs, tight ends, and and continue to push through. But but you know he he, he trusts us as coaches that we're going to put him in in great positions, and then. He ultimately, you know, bottom line, has to go perform. Big thing, too, is throw to score, run to win. We haven't known Coach Peterson too long, but we do know he isn't shy about his philosophy and he isn't going to lie saying he wants this perfect balance of run pass like we hear a lot of coaches talk about. He has a philosophy and he is sticking to it. James and and Travis in the game. Uh, Any regrets at all about not getting them more touches? I mean, not really, not really. Uh, when you look at the game and, and how it kind of unfolded, um, we had opportunities to get hit those guys even in the passing game, you know, to make plays. First, first opening drive of the game, we just missed Travis in the end zone, missed him on a fourth down. You know, those are all things that, you know, those are those are touches, right? Those are those are opportunities to to put the ball in their hands. And um, you know, I'm a believer too that you, you you throw to score in this league and you run to win. And and um, you know, we, we did some things, put ourselves in position to, to score at least 17 in the first half. And big thing three is Jaguars versus Colts. Lots of familiarity between these two teams. Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator for Coach Peterson in Philadelphia. And the streak that we keep talking about, seven years of straight wins here for the Jaguars when they play the Colts in Jacksonville. Right now it's about this team, and, and frankly, they don't care about the past. This is a different team. They're a different team different defensive coordinator, all those things. We got a new head coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, everything. So you really have to just start over every week, no matter who you're playing, especially divisional game with a bunch of coaching changes and personnel changes. So we're not really focusing on that at all. You know, that was last year. Um, I'm sure that's something that's a little fuel for them. But for us, we're just eyes forward. And and how can we put the best plan together to go beat them this game and not really focus on the past or too far in the future? And there you have it. Those are big things. Of course, your coach, your quarterback, that's that's what they're going to say is, yes, this is this team. But I will say we were in the locker room yesterday and I asked a couple players about this streak. Every single player knew the year the last time the Colts beat the Jaguars here in Jacksonville. It was 2014. They all knew the year. I was a little impressed by that. Imagine it's been brought up a couple of times. I would say so. I want to talk about big thing, too, mm-hmm. um, because I, I – it's refreshing to have that head coach stay. I, I didn't want to run the ball more. I mean, all the years we've been here, whether it was Tom Coughlin or Jack Del Rio or Gus Bradley, talk about balance and running more, and he's didn't care. 
right? I mean, he told you his philosophy straight out. Throw to score and then run to salt the win away. He's not going to change. He's not going to be Mouse Davis, right? You know who Mouse Davis was? No. The inventor of the run and shoot. Uh, He's not going to do that, right, where all you do is throw. But he's not worried about, you know, did I get 25 runs against 30 passes? Well, I think he would be if the offense hadn't worked. I mean, you know, there's been this strange phenomenon this week. I get they lost. But I've had questions in the Ozone mailbag about, well, they would have won if they'd run the ball. They got away from the run. They had 380 yards offense. Yeah, 123 Uh, rushing. They scored 22 points. I think Doug is the play caller, I think, is a new phenomenon around here. I'm not sure we've had the coach. Maybe Coughlin called plays one year. But overall, it's always been coordinator coach. So now when the head coach stands up and says, I didn't have any feel that the offense wasn't working. They were in the red zone five times. Had they scored a couple touchdowns there, nobody's talking about this. So I don't think Doug's stubborn. If Doug had come out of that game and they had never gotten past their own 40 and it was clear they hadn't run enough and it wasn't working, then I think he would say, hey, we need to do something different. Nothing went wrong except they didn't convert a couple of throws that were right there. The Even the right play was called, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, so I think they've lost, uh, people have lost sight because they lost that nothing they were calling didn't work. So I don't think he's being stubborn. I just think he looks at an offense that functioned. Why well, this, change it? This is a Woo! a throw. Yeah! To, this is a throw to run team. They're, they they're not going to use the run to set up the pass like a lot of teams do. They're going to throw first and run second. Yes, and if John's point, if Trevor makes that throw to Travis Etienne that seemed wide open, or even that throw to Zay Jones, yeah. <laughs> the running game isn't even mentioned this week because he converted those two touchdowns, and it's a different story. And yes, the play was right there; the throw just had to be made, and it's a totally different ball game. I think Doug also believes. Had you run 10 times more, the effectiveness of it in this offense would have gone right. down, he believes. They he, ran as much as he felt they needed to. As soon as he was asked this on Sunday, he immediately asked, what was the yards per carry average? Yeah. Because that's what he's looking at to see how effective they are. You know, I just don't think they're spending a lot of time this week trying to figure out ways to uh, do three yards in a cloud it's, of dust. It's not them. They're not interested in balance. They're interested in effectiveness. Yes, and I will say we all have to have our stats and yards ready because he was asking some questions, and I was scrambling to find the yards per carry. You had it, John, though. You're always ready. I don't think I had it. (laughs) And that is big things. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, we go around the locker room. TIAA Bank turned potential into progress. We are back, Jaguars Drive Time, Thursday morning, getting ready for the first home game of the season here this Sunday. We were in the locker room yesterday and asked a couple players what the biggest challenge they thought the Colts would bring to Jacksonville. So let's take a listen at what they said. They have talent all over the place. Um, They have talent all over the place. Up front, they're strong, they're fast. The linebackers are athletic, quick. Um, They move really good laterally and will come up and hit you in the mouth. Um, and their secondary is ball hawks. Um, and they, they do a really good job playing together. Um, and uh, they fly around. So we got to protect the football. Like I said, we got to have all the good little things down. Uh, we just got to play our brand of football. Biggest challenge uh, stopping the run. Obviously, they got a good a runner. Um, and we pride ourselves on stopping the run. So we got to make sure we come with our A game, be physical up front, um, create turnovers, and uh, get after two. 
Roy Robertson Harris, very complimentary of Jonathan Taylor, the Colts running back, and how he runs with that aggressive play style. We also asked linebacker Foye Aluakam what it will be like going against his former quarterback, Matt Ryan, says it's kind of a full circle moment for him. You know, he was older than me, and he's seen a lot of people through the through the years. So when I first got there, I was kind of a timid rookie. Um, didn't really know anybody in the league. And, you know, towards the end of my time there, you know, he came up to me and said he's like the way I progressed, and that just meant the most to me. So definitely a lot of respect for him. And just him saying those words meant a lot to me, but, you know, it's time to compete against him now. And there you have it. That is around the locker room. Matt Ryan is a guy, truthfully, in our three shows this week, we, we haven't talked a lot about him, and I think that's because the conversation is always dominant towards Jonathan Taylor when we talk about the Colts. Maybe it's because we don't really know a lot about him with this Colts team, and we don't know how this is going to go, Brian. Well, um, I watched him here last November and was – my initial thought is, well, he's done. He didn't seem to be the same Matt Ryan, didn't seem comfortable, didn't seem like he had the zip on the ball. In talking to people in Atlanta when we were there a few weeks ago, they said how frustrated he was last year in Arthur Smith's offense. And and for a guy who was 36 years old at the time, he had a hard time getting past the frustration of what they were doing and how they were getting it done. So here's the thing that makes Matt Ryan a real weapon, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Without Jonathan Taylor, I wouldn't worry about Matt Ryan. But the threat of Jonathan Taylor is going to allow the 37-year-old Ryan the ability to hold off the pass rush and to be able to drop back and find receivers open. Because 28 is so darn good. Mm -hmm. Ryan without him is not Ryan. Ryan with him has a chance to be the guy we watched, what, four or five years ago with a team that won the NFC. It's easy, I think, in analyzing the Colts because they've gone uh, Andrew Luck and then... Uh, who the quarterback was uh, the next year, uh, Brissett. Brissett. Uh, you know, so, yeah. And then they went. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, and then they Wentz. went. Uh, Wentz. So, and none of it has worked how they wanted it to. They've been good, but clearly Ursay believes this is a Super Bowl roster and needs to add a quarterback, sort of like the you know, the water to the mix. Just add water and, and uh, you have a uh, Super Bowl. Well, I think it's easy because that hasn't worked yet to assume that this is just another in that line. Mm-hmm. In talking to people around the Colts, uh, people who cover them, they kind of think this guy might be the best fit that they've had yet. Good roster uh, with Jonathan Taylor. I still think this is the best team in the division. It will be uh, interesting to see if Matt Ryan can break that streak. I don't think they believe he's just the latest guy to be just okay. And I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I think I think what he brings with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, you know, he's yeah. he's got a big receiver. He's used to big receivers. Doug Peterson said yesterday he sees them down the field. They're easier to see. I think Matt Ryan is head and shoulders above Carson Wentz. And with Jonathan Taylor behind him, they have a real shot. Yeah. They're a really him, good team. It seems like he just needed that fresh start. It's a very good roster. On both sides of the ball, there's talent all over the place. Um, They they probably should have gone to the playoffs last year. But the old Jaggy stopped them. Well, Well, don't forget, until the Jags game. Carson Wentz was awful. In the last (laughs) six, seven weeks of the season, the Titans were the best team in the division record-wise, but the Colts were one of the big stories of the AFC, and people thought they were, if they got in, they were going to have a chance. But remember, they this stumbled is still against, that team. They stumbled against the Raiders at home. Yeah. So that was a sign. Um, and I, I just, in talking to people in Atlanta, I haven't talked to anyone in India this week, but in talking to people in Atlanta, they thought he would be the difference mentally just because of who he is, the way that he carries himself. Yeah. Right. So you're going to have to go stop Jonathan Taylor. Quick note, Jonathan Taylor in the 
Colts win last November in Indy. Had 107 yards in the first half. Oh my gosh. Right? And he averaged almost six yards per carry. In the first half here, he had 18 yards and 2.3 per carry. That's not as good, Sean. Yeah. So the point is, if you want to beat the Colts on Sunday, you must keep must Jonathan Taylor man. from getting started. Yes. I remember standing on that Colts field and hearing his name again and again and again. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. And do it was something. different here. He had one yard on his first carry. Then he had two yards on his second carry. The Jaguars did a great job mm-hmm. against him, and the Colts never found a rhythm. Yes. Well, and the interior of the defense is key there. It, no matter how great you are as a running back, if you can't get your feet going you and it's it's glummed up in the interior, you can't get going. So that big no game for Hamilton and Roy Robinson-Harris. Yes, it is. And that is around the locker room when we come back on Jaguars Drive Time. Some he will, he won't, he might. Suddeth is Jacksonville's trusted and reliable moving company. Suddeth is proud to be the official moving company of the Jacksonville Jaguars. To get a stress-free quote, call 904-638-7536. It is Thursday, which means it's time for he will, he won't, he might going into Sunday's game against the Colts' first home game of the season for the Jaguars. Brian, what are we thinking? I'm going with Tyson Campbell, and he will be the most tired player in the locker room after the game. (laughs) Because I think he's got the biggest challenge in in one-on-one matchups with Michael Pittman, who's 6'4 and 225 pounds, um, and is a guy who can wear you out. Last week, he was targeted 13 times, had nine catches for 121 yards and a touchdown, but it's that 13 number, meaning the quarterback's going to be looking for him at all times, which means Campbell's going to have to be alert mentally and ready physically, so he'll be a very tired guy. Um, He won't get beat much. I, I think he's up for the challenge. I think... I watched him in Atlanta uh, and whenever he was on Kyle Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts struggled, right? I mean, he had to fight for the ball. So he won't be a pushover. Um, and he might lead the AFC in interceptions after the time this one is over. Um, I think he might find himself in a position to grab a ball or two. Um, we thought he was opportunistic on the training camp field. He showed it in Washington last week. He might be a guy who grabs a pick or two on Sunday. Yeah. How, how many targets was it for Michael Pittman last week? 13, 13. 15. Yeah. So you would have to think targets. if Tyson gets one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I went with Zay Jones, <laughs> the uh, uh, wide receiver. Uh, he will, I think, get a lot of targets. And the reason for this is Christian Kirk got, uh, I think, 12 targets last week. Uh, at some point, and I think it's going to happen quick, teams are going to realize Christian Kirk is, is the guy that Trevor Lawrence wants to go to. So... They will uh, defend Christian Kirk, so Zay Jones will get a lot of opportunities this week. He won't, and I have trouble with the he won't because I'm not sure there's anything he won't, but um, he won't be a guy I don't think yet that the Colts worry about because there hasn't been a reason to worry about him on on film yet. So I think that means he'll get opportunities, which he he might be this week's Christian Kirk in this offense. Mm -hmm. I think Christian had, what, six for 117 last week. Um... If you remember in preseason, I know fans hate, oh, in preseason they were this, but he looked really good in preseason and there was some timing there and he had the ability to get open uh, deep. He was open some last week for a bigger game. He might have that bigger game that he could have had last week, Schlen. Or Brian, I I see by your hands you want to say something. Well, to take it to another level, what you're saying is Trevor Lawrence sat down at one of our preseason production meetings and said, I can't wait to get to get to this game because I'm excited about all the things we're going to have for Zay Jones. So they've obviously got a playbook, you know, a section of the playbook designed 
for Zay Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how much they think of him. And I, and I talked to him in the locker room for a pregame radio interview, and he, I love the guy. He's so much fun. He's different, right? He is. In a Frenchie Fuqua kind of way. He's a little bit different. But do you Great know that, way to put that, yes. Yeah, do, you know, do you know his uncle's Jeff Blake? I didn't realize The that. former Bengals quarterback who we, the Jaguars had some epic battles against that guy. Um, so anyway, I really like him, and I, and I think he's got – I think they've got to focus on him. And if you're right, and I think that you are, that Christian Kirk is going to draw the coverage, Zay Jones has the ability to beat you. Mm -hmm. he so when was... Frenchie Fuqua played for the Steelers in the 70s, Thank just you. to catch you up, and uh, you. Jeff Blake played for the Bengals in the 90s. And he was, known, all that down. he was known for wearing now. high heels with goldfish in them yep. as he would get onto the plane and to have a cape and one of those cigarette holders. I mean, he was the guy was just all personality. Goldfish high heels? Yeah. Goldfish high heels. You, Whoa. Can you rent you, those? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think those exist anymore. Yeah. PETA might call. That's it probably was, animal it, abuse well, now. Was, <laughs> he was, I'm using that to say that he was an enigmatic personality. And I think, and I think, <laughs> it seems like it, yes. And, and after talking to, to Zay in the locker room yesterday, it's clear he is too. Wow. That it is something. The 70s. It was different. Yeah. It was a different I love time. the personality. We need it. Yes, we do. All right. My, he will, he won't. He might is Josh Allen. He will make this his game. Last week was Trayvon Walker's game. We've talked about him all week. The epic return of Josh Allen, I guess you could say, to Jacksonville. And this home game, I think Josh Allen is going to be a guy we talk about Monday morning and not because Trevor Trayvon Walker takes a step back. I just think now with Trayvon Walker having that great first game, I think now the attention will shift greatly towards him and that's going to free up Josh Allen to make an impact in this first home game. He won't be offended. Last week on Jaguars All Access, we were talking about Trayvon Walker and how he could have played college basketball and maybe even the NBA and what a freak athlete he is. And Josh Allen admitted, yeah, Trayvon Walker is a better athlete than me. You see, just he's a much bigger frame. He's got longer arms. He is physically gifted in ways that Josh Allen isn't, which is crazy because Josh Allen is a freak athlete in himself. But he won't be offended by that. I think uh, Trayvon Walker, if he has the career like Josh Allen has, it's all about the work ethic that Josh Allen has had with his career. He might make an earlier impact in this game. I go back to that sack last week on the reverse that was a swing of momentum for the Jaguars. I think for the Jaguars to win this game against the Colts, they have to have an earlier impact on defense. And Josh Allen just might be that guy. I talked to Bill Shuey, who's the outside linebackers yeah, coach yesterday, and I asked him how long until Trayvon Walker's impact is on Josh Allen. In other words, until they start sliding, kind of like with Christian Kirk. Yep. They start looking, and he goes, oh, you might see it on Sunday. Josh Allen might quick. be freed up on Sunday. And when you have a player like Josh Allen who is one-on-one, -on -one, he has an opportunity to make plays. Interesting. That quick, huh? One week. He, well, if you watch Trayvon Walker for very long, you realize <laughs> yeah. one guy is going to have a hard him. time containing him. All right, and that is he will, he won't, he might when we come back. Monday's headlines today. We are predicting Monday's headlines today, coming off a game against the Colts on Sunday. First home game for the Jaguars this season. Brian, what are we going to talk about Monday morning? Going number eight is number one, meaning win number eight over the Indianapolis Colts at home consecutively is win number one for the Jaguars. They keep it going uh, at home, and they finally get going um, on all sides of the ball and play a really solid game. I don't want to say spectacular, but solid, because that's what it's going to take. You're going to have to be good in every area to beat the Colts on Sunday. All right, John, what are you thinking? You're not going to like it, Shalane. Yeah. It's, uh, Here we go. You always ruin this segment. Streak stopped. What? I, I think this – I hope I'm wrong – I just see the Colts as, as a strong team uh, that if they lose their 0-1-1 with two division non-wins, 
Uh, I think they're the best team in the division. I don't think they lose this week. Uh, so the streak stopped and everybody throw uh, garbage and food at me. Yes. I have eight is great because the streak will continue. The emphasis they have placed on fixing the little things this week, I don't think that's going to go unnoticed. They will play a sound football well, game, like Brian yeah. says, and we will throw tomatoes you know, at you Monday for saying it's worth, broke it's worth so. noting that the Jaguars schedule rocks and garbage. includes a, a trip to Los, Los Angeles the next week. I mean, which is a really yeah. tall order to go to the West Coast, where the Jaguars have only ever won in Oakland, right? And to beat those Chargers. So this is a pretty important game for yeah. a young football team. For both teams. Yeah, and Philadelphia is not far around the corner. I mean, you, you've you got some challenging games. A home win is critical for this football team. Very it's as good. critical for the Jaguars to go 1-1 one and one as it is for the Colts to avoid going 0-1-1. Oh, one one. Mm-hmm. So I, that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. It is good game on sunday we are predicting and big monday headlines today i will say john i I hope hope i'm wrong (laughs) and that is jaguars drive time on a thursday like we said we'll have a show here monday morning predicting those headlines stay with us all weekend long on jaguars.com